Activists are threatening to sue Chicago if the city doesn't roll back its 10 p.m. youth curfew. Yesterday, Good Kids Matt City and Brighton Park Neighborhood Council sent a letter to the city listing their demands. Both groups held a news conference that morning outside Lollapalooza on its opening day. Organizers say the curfew unfairly targets black and brown youth and creates a loophole for visitors at ticketed events like Lollapalooza. As a young black man, I am being tired of being stopped and criminalized by the police. They are already been stopping and frisking us, but now they got another reason to be racist against us. That was 18-year-old James Robinson with Good Kids Mad City. On the line with us now is Camilla Williams, a youth mentor and co-founder of the anti-violence group. Camilla, welcome to Reset. But we also have Kara Crutcher, an attorney for Good Kids Matt City and Brighton Park Neighborhood Council. Hi, Kara. Hi, how are you today? Good. Thanks for being here. Both of you were at the news conference yesterday. Before we get into those details, uh, Camilla, are you here? Okay. Um, Well, Kara, can you tell us more about where Good Kids Matt City and Brighton Park Neighborhood Council stand on the city's youth curfew? Yeah, absolutely. So, um... Good Kids Mad City and Brighton Park Neighborhood Council, it, it is a complete honor to to represent them. And they uh, work with young people, young black and brown kids in and throughout the city. And the stance is that this curfew will basically open the door for additional harassment from the police to our city's youth. Um, it is It has a number of exceptions, but at the end of the day, um, it does give the Chicago police another kind of mechanism for, you know, stopping young people. And and they're already dealing with so much of that in the city. And so uh, it it is a concern. Camilla, what are you hearing from the youth you mentor about how they feel about these rules? Since day one, when the curfew order went into place, they felt discriminated. They felt like they should not be punished for wanting to have a, a place to go and see their city um, because realistically the youth in Chicago really do not have many locations to go to feel safe and to have fun. So from day one, they were against it. They felt like their rights was being violated. We talked about it and they said that they needed to do something. Kara, you helped file the letter on behalf of both groups. Walk us through the main points and the demands. Yeah, so the the letter really is drawing attention to the fact that uh, youth curfews like this have been overturned in a number of other cities across the country, um, and also they've been overturned on a couple different from a couple of different stances. Um, first, there's the issue of young people having a right to gather um, and socialize in safe spaces, and this actually being First Amendment activity that's protected by the Constitution. It's not just protesting and kind of being in the streets, which is also important, but um, there's a lot of uh, support in in case law over, or or really kind of stemming out of the civil rights era, that this is protected activity. Uh, There's also equal protection concerns, uh, which the gist of that is saying this is going to be enforced in a racially discriminatory manner. Black kids and brown kids are going to bear the brunt of this, as we've seen with this backdrop of Lala yesterday. Um, Another thing implicated in this is parents' constitutional rights, how they want to raise their children. And so they're really kind of these three pillars that are um, 
lenses that these cases have been overturned through and really just wanting to draw attention to, hey, this con- this curfew is unconstitutional. Uh, this curfew is just going to further, you know, strain relationships between city officials and the young people of this city. And, you know, instead of going to court, we are open to meeting you in negotiation and talking through some of these points and, and really moving towards collaboration and, and bringing in things like the peace book and uh, pushing for solutions that actually work when it's very clear that there is no evidence that curfews have actually done what folks are alleging that they do. Yeah. What does the research say about that? What other cities have you looked at and seen that curfews don't work? Yeah, so I know that curfews have been overturned in some cities in Indiana, um, some in California. There's there's a bunch of others in, in um, cities throughout the country, too. Uh, but, but, you know, as we've been talking to, you know, folks that are experts in this type of area, we've been seeing that there has not necessarily been a decrease in violence by implementing youth curfews. Also, youth curfews are sending the message to young people that they are the problem, they are the source of violence in this um in, in these cities, when in reality, uh, most youth crimes happen outside of the window of the curfew. And so there's not even a direct relationship between the curfew and, and what the alleged goals are. Kara, why did you all hold the press conference at Lollapalooza yesterday? You know, it's an important backdrop because of the way that the curfew law is set up. There's an exception there that if you are coming from a ticketed event, then uh, if you're out past 10 p.m. and you're under the age of 18, then you are not technically breaking the curfew law. Well, that's a huge loophole, right? Uh, The way that Lala works is folks are wearing wristbands. You can identify that wristband on them easily. You know, we see that in the city, regardless of if you're law enforcement or not. We can see who is at Lala and who's not. Um, And if you are not leaving a ticketed event and, you know, you don't have this wristband on there, then you all of a sudden, if a police officer stops you, then you have to prove where you're coming from and what you're doing, something that you just simply don't have to do if you are wearing this wristband. And I think the visual of that is really important because it's sending a message to some kids that it's okay to move freely in and about your city and in and about downtown. And for others, you know, you might be okay if you can prove well enough that you are actually leaving, you know, a place that there is an exception for or something of that nature. But the fact that you are already vulnerable to a police officer stopping you means that your rights are being inhibited. And also, it is just simply unfair. Camilla, you spoke at the news conference. What was your message? Oh, I think we lost Camilla again. Um, Kara, um, another follow-up for you. Um, you all met with the Progressive Caucus of the City Council. How did that go? Uh, it went well. We have some support in the Progressive Caucus. Um, some folks that are a part of the Pro- Progressive Con- Caucus excuse me, uh, introduced the Peace Book Ordinance uh, a number of weeks ago. And so we are you know, just trying to meet with them, talk about strategy for moving the peace book through city council and hopefully to a vote to get it passed. You're listening to Reset. I'm Natalie Moore in for Sasha Ann Simons. And we're talking about two organizations that are demanding the city to roll back its 10 p.m. youth curfew. With us to discuss is Kara Crutcher, attorney for Good Kids Matt City, and Brighton Park Neighborhood Council, and Camilla Williams, youth mentor and co-founder of Good Kids Matt City. Camilla, what was your message yesterday at that press conference? My message was to stand in solidarity with my young people, 
um, you know, demanding um, about the curfew, but also to support the peace book to provide safe space for young people to go. So they, they won't be downtown really allegedly being disruptive to provide them with wraparound services. Chicago has yet put in place a solution to violence, gun violence, youth gun violence. So my message was to pass the peace book. It's been almost four years that Good Kids Mad City has been leading this effort. But I want to I want to jump in real quick, Camila, because both of you have mentioned the peace book, and I would love for you all to uh, explain what that ordinance is, what it would do. Uh, Camila, we'll start with you. So and to, to give a summary, it's just to provide wraparound services for young people and their families. And those wraparound services can be mental health, housing, job placement, um, programs, safe space for them to go. It's, it's, it's nothing that we have not talked about um, when we're looking at how to keep um, young adults that's in the system from uh, committing more violent acts. But this is more of a proactive, preventative approach before you get to that level of committing violent acts. So it's providing wraparound services for young people and their families. Why do young people have to wait until they're 18 or a court order for them to be able to go get help with learning to find a job or to get help getting in school or to get help finding mental health and grief support? No. We're trying to do this now. This ordinance was introduced to city council in June. It's faced several delays. What's the latest? The the latest now is that we are still trying to build support for it. Um, It was sent to rules committee. My understanding is that it's no longer in rules committee. And so what that tells us is that it's time for us to kind of hit the ground running again, meeting with alders, you know, meeting with their constituents and really trying to build more support around this. As Camille was saying, this is a really transformative piece of work, not because it is anything new, but because it's coming from the folks who are directly impacted. And so if we're going to start actually putting together solutions that will do something to address the issues that Camille was just talking about, it has to come from the folks who are dealing with those issues on the ground. And a lot of that is having those types of conversations with alders, showing, you know, the commitment to the work, showing that they have been doing the work. Um, You know, Camille could talk about this, but GKMC did some amazing work this week at Harper High School. They've been on the ground doing this, and they've been doing it, paying it forward with their time, with their resources. And this is really something that should be funded by the city. So really, you know, hitting the ground running, having these conversations with alders, building support, and really educating people on why it is important for these types of solutions to come out of these types of spaces, because who knows best other than the folks that are directly experiencing the harm, right? So uh, what's happening at Harper High School, and is that a microcosm of the Peace Book? Yes. So part of the peace book is making sure that young people have a safe uh, place to go, to have fun, to be able to learn restorative justice practices. So this past Wednesday, and this is something that we have been doing, not just this past Wednesday, but for a while, where we will come together either at Harper High School, um, Diet, or Burke Elementary Schools, and we'll provide some type of programming for them. And the programming choice is basketball. After they play basketball, We'll sit, we'll talk, we'll introduce them 
to how to solve conflict, the, re- the restorative justice practices. And we have been really seeing in these young people um, change with them wanting to um, make peace, them using these practices within their schools, which is why we say this needs to be implemented across the city. Any response from Mayor Lori Lightfoot or her administration yet? As a matter of fact, um, surprisingly, um, a young GCAMC member of mine ran into Lori at Lollapalooza with her daughter. Oh, tell and us about that. So uh, my, my, my question to her was, hey, we've been trying to reach you to talk to you about the Peace Book. And she said, it's some things that we need to work out, talk about, let's discuss it. But she, she's aware of the Peace Book. So now we are waiting to actually hear what what those concerns are, if it's really concerns. But my ask to Lori is that you know that there's a problem in this, this city. You have promised surviving families that you will do something about gun violence. And to our surprise, we have a lot of survivor families who support this peace book. And what about any response from Chicago Police Department? No, I mean, they they will possibly be against it because we're asking for money to come out their budget. Kara, what's the next step? The letter's been sent to the city. The mayor knows about it, wants to work out some things, meeting with the Progressive Caucus. What happens now? Yeah, so I think we were, were super clear yesterday, and I don't know um, if you have the opportunity to read the letter, but we do have a date on there. Please reach out to us by this date. We are prepared to move forward filing a federal lawsuit. Um, And, you know, while this lawsuit is about the youth curfew, um, it's important to acknowledge that that and the Peace Book are working hand in hand, right? Like this youth curfew is not the solution. And here we are promulgating solutions and those are being ignored. And so right now we are prepared to, to file this lawsuit. We are giving the city time to respond. And if we don't hear from them, then we'll go from there. That's Kara Crutcher, an attorney for Good Kids Matt City in Brighton Park Neighborhood Council, and Camilo Williams with Good Kids Matt City. Thank you both for your time. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.